Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Welcome back, everyone, to the 11th Aspire Mailbag with my good friend, the COO and co-founder of Teach Better, the traveling man, Jeff Gargis. What's up, dude? How are you? <laughs> Not as good as you. I know you're going on vacation. I am about to get away for a little bit, taking the family out and socially distancing somewhere else. That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, I hope you guys have an amazing time. And for those who may not have listened before, we reach out to the listeners to ask leadership questions via Twitter, Instagram, and Voxer. And in past episodes, we usually answer five leadership questions. But today, we're going to do a shorter episode. I think we're going to hit three questions. And then we'll do a little update on the Teach Better team. But I want to thank everyone that was a part of the Teach Better 12-hour live event with Jeff Gargas and Ray Hewitt. Well, Jeff, thank you for allowing me to be a part of that, too, with our 30-minute live episode was, of the Aspire Mailbag. Yeah, we did Yeah, we did number 10. Number 10, whatever we call these. This is episode 10 of the Mailbag. Yeah. We did that live during... It came in at like 5, 6 o'clock, right? Yeah. It was pretty... So we were already... I don't even know how many hours that was. We were like 10 hours in to the, to the, uh, or not quite 10, maybe eight hours in. And, uh, you came in, we did a live. That was fun. Cause we had it people ask like in the comments, asking the questions right as we went. So yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. And hopefully we can get a, a live version of the show again. And I think we can make that happen. Yeah. I think so we, we can make that happen. Listeners to interact a little bit in a live session, but I want to thank you for that experience. Cause that was really, really fun and, uh, be a part of that. 12 hour event. So are you guys thinking of doing another live event like that again? <laughs> well, Ray says no. <laughs> um, I think, um, well, I mean, she didn't necessarily say no. She's saying no because I keep saying 24 hours. Oh, dang. And she's saying no to that, but I'm like, we already did 12. Like, right. hey, psh, let's do 24. Like, we can make this happen. <laughs> I got coffee, get some five hour energy, whatever. Yeah. No, I think. I think it would be it'd be silly to think that we'll never do it again because it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I think we will, but I think it's gonna be a while because it was it was a lot. Maybe we'll, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll have to find like a uh, like a good like break term break like Thanksgiving break or holiday break or something like that. Yeah, where everyone can actually hang with us for a full day or something. That'd so. be awesome. You know, we'll figure it out. I'll Help let you know, in. Josh. I, I got you. You'd definitely be in. All right. So if you're ready for the questions, we can go ahead and let's do it, man. Look at those. Our uh, good friend, AJ Bianco, he sent in the first question and he's part of Podcast PD. If you haven't listened to his show, it's amazing. He's been doing some live events too lately with panels of different educators. So definitely check out his podcast. And his question is, as we head into the 2021 school year, the curriculum should not be the focus for at least two months. With that in mind, as leaders, how do we best focus on social and emotional well-being of our staff and students, whether we are meeting virtually or in person? Well, I think, honestly, curriculum should never be the focus at all anyway, but it's an important piece. But your your first focus should always be on the, uh, the social-emotional wellness because your curriculum is not going to be received if the SEL portion is not there yet, right? Like, like Jennifer and Hans are always saying, like SEL isn't something additional on your plate. It is the plate, right? Yep. Uh, and so curriculum goes on top of it. But I think to, to AJ's question, I think the really important thing, thing that has to be happening right now, all the way up into and through this entire school year, especially at the beginning, when we're getting back from all these changes and all this uh, drama, uh, trauma and uh, just, just everything we've always gone through, 
that everyone's gone through right now, I think the biggest thing is talking to them. Talk to your staff, talk to your students, like carve out additional time to be very intentional to talk to them, ask questions, see how they're doing. And then most importantly, listen, listen to what they're, what they're telling you, not just the words they're saying, what they're actually telling you through that. Like, how are they feeling? What do they need? And then, then I think you can, you can move as you can and advance as you can and get to the curriculum as you can based on what they're telling you. And that's going to be different for every teacher, every you know leader, every student, every community, every school. Like, so, so there's no like blanket thing, but I think it, it has to be a lot of, there has to be a lot of opportunities to talk to your, your, your students, to your staff and, and to your community, honestly, too, is figuring out how's everybody feeling. Yeah. And then how do we move? What's the best pace for us to move and directions for us to move based on what everyone's saying, what everyone's feeling, how's, how's everybody recovering? Yeah. Or are we nowhere near that yet? You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's really important just talk, have questions or ask questions and, and listen. Yeah. The connection piece, like you said, is should be the number one thing. I think there's a lot of data coming out right now as far as depression is, is up and it's because people are used to having those human interactions and they're not able to do that. And so we're going to have to be really creative on how we're making those connections and they're going to have to be virtual and it's going to mm-hmm. be a substitute, although it's not going to be as good as the human contact and human interactions that we usually have. But I think, like you said, no one's going to learn if they're in a in a trauma state or um, one of depression. And so we're really yep. going to need to focus on that. I know states are really pushing data as far as, you know, during the distance learning, students have not had an increase in le- their learning like they would when they were in the brick and mortar. But that, like you said, the curriculum isn't the number one priority. Mm. It's the social emotional piece. And so, yeah, w- um, yeah, we, we need to get there, but we got to get the, the SEL first. I think, you know, it's, we don't have the human interaction, but also we, we all just have more time to sit and think now yeah. because we're not going out nearly as much and yeah. we're not doing things as much. We're not in, you know, kids aren't in school for eight hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. People aren't at work the same way. So we have a lot more time to, to sit, which allows something that might be affecting us to affect us more yep. and deeper because we, and we, because maybe we don't have the outlet that we used to have, right? We don't have our sports. We don't have band. We don't have art class. We don't have our friends. We don't have these things to, to uh to to be our escape from that type of stuff so uh all that has to be thought about in in the conversation Um, yeah if you don't have an seo curriculum or some type of program set up that you need to do that right away yes and also like you said you know counseling and that support should be in place uh social work whatnot to provide those resources especially during this time i would reach out to local local people that you have that are doctors counselors you know, support uh, facilities, whatever it might be, and, and try to form partnerships with them yep. to help them come in and, and be an additional, because you're going to need more. Yeah. It's not going to be like a typical, you, you know, you have to have that. And, and again, for your students, for your staff, for yourself, for your community, being able to offer that is just going to be a big piece to bring you all back together the right way. So, because another piece is like, when we do get back into the buildings, we haven't done it for a while. Like, and we're not like, and not only have we not been in the school buildings for a while, but we're not like going out. We're not socializing. So there's gonna be some kids that were in the process and at the ages where they're really, or starting to come out of the show, whatever, where they're starting to learn how to do have those interactions. And that was taken away. Yeah. So they may be set back or maybe even, you know, maybe they're more introverted and we have to work on getting them comfortable with being out. And yeah. and if there was depression, anxiety, like that's all going to be heightened because I haven't experienced it now. So I'm less, I'm even less comfortable than I was Yep. you know, in, in February. So, sure. so much to unpack there. It's crazy. So yeah. I would, I would definitely reach out to community, lean on your community members and, and get them involved if you can. No, I love that piece. 
Great question, AJ. We've got our second question from Tessa Levitt, and she's got something very similar in thinking about the planning for next year. Her question is, as parents are now planning a bigger role in instruction, how can leaders and teachers encourage and support parents as we plan for the next school year? It's a good question. I mean, first, communication, like ridiculous amounts of communication, but clear, concise, organized communication. If you can fit it in one email, that's fine. But at the same time, you got to remember like, yeah, I might not want to receive 15 emails from you, but I also don't want to receive an email that's 38 bullet points long. Yep. With a bunch, you know what I mean? So we got to really go through that. But I think another thing to talk to, to think about and think through and consider is training courses and classes for your stakeholders. They might not all come, but offer it to them. Maybe more office hours that are dedicated to parents and stakeholders. Uh, like introduction courses to like the tools that you use, whether it's yep. Google Classroom, Squology, the apps, like you need to train your parents on the, both the tools that you use the, and the systems that you have in place and honestly the content, just like you do with your students. I really enjoy, there was a couple things. My son's, it's, he's only second grade. So like most of this stuff I understand pretty well and I can do, but there's some different ways that math is being taught or they're, they're working on certain pieces of it. And his teacher was really great provided us worksheets that were meant for us that said, Hey, your students can be doing X, Y, Z. Here's some things for you to understand what they're doing. But I'm talking to you in, in parent terms, not yeah. what your students learning. And so I think we have to do more of that. Yeah. Yes. It's more work. Yes. It's more effort. Yes. It's more time, but it's also, I think necessary because yeah. you can't be in there and you need to give them what they need because a student might have a pretty stable uh, environment at home until that parent gets frustrated yep. then that potent that that typically stable uh, environment might not be just because the parents also frustrated and says you know what just get it turned in so you get credit I don't even I, I can't handle it and now the students not actually growing like like you said they're not growing like they should so and, and also that can also affect the SEL going back to that first question is like if I'm frustrated as a parent because I can't help you and you're frustrated as a kid now it's affecting us now it's affecting everything so yep. I think anything like that there, there's no good answer there, I don't think there's any easy answer I think my answers were good, but not easy. But I really think that's something to really consider um, as walking parents through this. this is how we do things like very, very specific, very broken down and yep. in introducing them to the, I, I know my son and my daughter both have like, it's like 50 apps that they use. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great. But if she doesn't remember how to use it, she's in kindergarten. Like, yeah, that, that, that'd be my thing. Are you, are you guys doing anything like that at your school, Josh, or? Well, I think we experienced it like everybody else, you know, from my household, it was nice. Cause I got to see it as the parent point of view mm -hmm. administrator side. So that's big. Uh, what I noticed was, you know, I have five kids and they all vary in age. So mm -hmm. we're, we've got multiple campuses that we're getting information from. So if I get information from multiple teachers on multiple campuses, you can imagine what our email looked like um, during mm -hmm. you know first few months. I had to communicate to my staff to say, look, there are a lot of families that we serve that are getting exactly what I'm getting as a parent, and it's overwhelming to the point where I didn't even want to open my email. And so mm -hmm. if I'm not willing to open my email because it's stressful and creating anxiety for us as a family, then that's occurring with other people and I'm in education. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're more likely to look at it than anyone already. Right. You know, we have to keep that in mind. And so that's where we started to streamline our communication, but then also a streamline, like you said, where we were putting everything, we use canvas. And so we just said, everything's going in canvas. You know, if you were using mm -hmm. Google suites or whatnot, 
if you're using Microsoft, whatever it is, everything is going into one program so we, our parents know exactly where to find yes. it. And we're going to categorize it and make it as easy as possible. And so the other piece too is um, video t tutorials, video lessons. Mm -hmm. We were finding out that a lot of our parents, you know, they had to go to work. And so they weren't coming home till seven, eight, nine at night. And that's when they were going to start helping their students. But like you said, math for us, when we were growing up, is taught one way. How it's taught now is completely different. Also, when's when's the last time you used geometry? Yeah, right. <laughs> or or done like when's the last time you did a foil for algebra? Like yeah, I mean or science lab or you, anything else. I never use like I've never I, I don't use that. I, you know you yeah. use pieces of it and stuff like that, but you've never gone through that process exactly. for them to learn it. So it's it gets harder. Like yeah. you know high school math is kind of difficult if you don't use math and every like those formulas every day. It's Most it's definitely. tough to and and even tougher like you said because with like. We do it differently too. Yeah. So the teacher's the expert. So let's make sure that we're getting the content yeah. to them. And a, and a student's more likely to watch a video on YouTube versus mm -hmm. read a worksheet or some type of text that you send them uh, through an email or, you know, through a program. So um, I think a lot of our teachers were starting to create that content, especially toward the end, because they were seeing more engagement, more success through that. So that was something that we want to continue to streamline for the school year. You got. You said you moved into everything's in campus. Was that a your campus or was that district wide? So the district rolled it out last year at the very very beginning, but it was by campus by campus basis. So you could okay. go at your own pace. So some campuses decided to, you know, they kind of experimented a little bit, but didn't really go into it. Other campuses, it was like a pilot system where all, they selected a few teachers to go through it. We chose at the beginning of the school year for our entire campus, like everyone's using it, and so. Thankfully for us, it was, I mean, we didn't know this was going to happen, but everyone knew the program and were comfortable with it. And so we were able to transition into distance learning much easier because we had everybody already set up in that program. Yeah, I think because like you touched on that, that's a big one. I think got to go district all the way down. Everything's got to be the same. Yep. Like, and, and not just, hey, everyone's in Canvas or everyone's in Google Classroom, but also everyone needs to use it the same. Like that's, yep. that's massive right now, because like you said, you have varying uh, things. So if you got a second grader and a sixth grader and a 11th grader, and you're trying to help all three of them, you're already struggling with the fact that you may not remember the content as well. Maybe you weren't, you didn't do well in school. You didn't like school. You don't remember things. You don't use it, whatever it might be. And maybe you're not super tech savvy. And now you have to deal with three different types of communication three different uh, schedules of delivering content and three different organizations in Google Classroom. I, I was, for me, I have two students that are at the same school, kindergarten and second grade. Both teachers did great. They, yep. they did really well, but they delivered the content on different schedules and in different ways. And they labeled things differently. And I'm like, that was a, enough of a frustration for me, at least to start. Yep. Eventually, obviously you figure it out, but like, you can't like it's, and I know that's hard to push things down because there's, you got to let some of you know teachers do things. But I think from a parent standpoint, yep. it's really important. And so that to me is, is training of your staff. Here's the ways that we found the best to do it. And here's why you should organize it this way. Or maybe these are the two different ways you can organize it, but make sure that you're explaining it really clearly to your parents. Cause mm -hmm. you know, I'm thinking about someone who has, you know, four kids, yeah, and four different, four different methods. I'm like, Holy cow. Like, you know, it can get really crazy, really bad. Yep. And we only did this for, you know, a month and a half. We got to do it all year long. Like it's going to get, it could become a really big source of, of tension and stress and therefore gets cut yep. because it's really easy to just stop doing yep. distance learning for sure. at home. So, so well, that's important. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how districts handle that. Yeah. 
And I think the, like you said, allowing the teachers to give tutorials to the parents too. Because essentially, yes, that's huge. They're, they're part of the team. So yes, I I think as a teacher, you should be offering, you should be offering office hours for parents at least once a, a week and having like, training sessions at least once a month on stuff and in my and i know that's harder i, I get it that's extra time yep. and that's extra preparation that's tough and it's already gonna be tough but i think i think it's really important for teachers to realize that this that getting parents stakeholders whoever the families are paying attention to them is almost just as crucial as paying attention to your students yep. because they're like they're gonna have such a a massive impact. I mean, that was a great question about that. They are playing a, not just a bigger role, but honestly a huge role, yep. whether and and that's in two ways, whether they're the parent who's super involved or a parent who doesn't really care, either way, that role is being played yep. positive or negatively. And you've got to figure out how do I support the parents that are really into this and really fighting for this with me? And how do I fill the gap with a parent who either doesn't want to be involved or doesn't care or cannot be because they either lack the ability or they just simply can't with the schedule. I mean, there's so many reasons why a parent might not be able to help. Um, and then there's obviously, unfortunately, there are parents who aren't going to care or want to help, but then there's going to be parents that really want to help. And if there aren't tools there, like there's just so much of that, like this is going to be probably one of the hardest years I think for teachers and, and just educators in general. But I yeah. think it's also going to be a year that, that uh, a lot of things change and, hopefully a year that a lot of uh, people realize how awesome educators really are. I think we realized that quite a bit this spring, yep. but I think that's one thing. There was a lot of grace. That grace is going away in the fall. Yep. Just, just get over that. Now your parents like that grace is gone. Yeah. As far as they're concerned, you should have this figured out come September. You're not going to have that same grace. Yep. You have to give them grace, but you are not going to get it. That's just life as an educator. Get over it. You're not going to change it by complaining. It's not going to happen. Your grace is gone. They are looking at you to be the expert to help them navigate because their world is still turned upside down too. For sure. It's going to get worse in the fall when their kids have to go to school maybe one day or two day a week if there's alternating schedule or all the way home and it's still con- and it's messing up their work schedule because now everything's opening back up. So yeah. this is going to be the hardest year, I think. And But I think it's going to be a, a pivotal year to, to really show the world that educators are the best at at this kind of stuff at transition and at adapting and at just making it happen. So for sure part of me, that's worried. And part of me, it's kind of pumped about that. So <laughs> yeah. I, I know, so I, I know how awesome teachers can be at that. So I'm excited to, to see what comes from it. So yep. good question. Awesome question. All right. Last one. This one's from Adam Cottis and Adam is asking something that I think a lot of new leaders are experiencing and especially during this time where we're trying to be more creative but he was asking how do we break through the barrier of sharing creative ideas but not having the experience uh, to present those ideas mm. yeah so think anytime you bring in any kind of ideas i mean and you don't have experience behind it if you can show results obviously that's great mm-hmm. if you don't have the experience and you haven't been able to show the results because you just haven't had the time to do it Providing resource, research or other people's data or support pieces, I think is important. Or bring other people into the conversation. You know, someone from another district, an expert, someone from a company, if it's an app or a curriculum or whatever it might be, like, mm-hmm. you know, that, that can come in and share that. I mean, I know, if, you know, for, for, for us, you know, a lot of times that this similar thing happens, like when someone's really excited about the grid method and, and maybe they don't get the support they want, we get on those phone calls all the time, right? <laughs> so, but it doesn't have to be someone who's, a company that provides PD or something like that. Like if you found a teacher that's rocking something and you're like, I really want to try that, but I need my, I need approval 
but they're looking at me saying, well, yeah, but you haven't done it. So we're not going to roll this out. Maybe I can ask this teacher like, Hey, will you get on a phone call and zoom call with me and my admin so we can break this down yep. and, and stuff like that. If it's, if it's some from a company or organization or something like that, they're going to, they'll take that call For if sure. they're smart. Right. But I really think it's know your why, know your facts, think through it logistically so that when you bring something to the table, you can say, this is why I want to do it. This is where I see it doing well, either in my class or somewhere else, whatever. And, and this is how I think it can roll out and why and what I'm going to do if it works, if it doesn't work, yep. you know, so be, be prepared for that. So I'm, I hope that helps Adam. I'm not sure. Yeah. But. I know early in my leadership journey, I mean, I didn't have a title. I was, I, I had only been teaching for three years. I wanted to create a program. And so what I did was like you said, I connected with my administrators and said, well, one, my AP and, and asked for the data for one. And once I got the data, then I broke it down to figure out what the needs of the campus were and then use that data to then bring it to the principal. And so I got a meeting with her and presented everything and presented the program that I wanted to create. But without that data, I know I would have gotten a no. (laughs) But since I had (laughs) that information on her desk and it was glaring, I was able to get her support and then also some funds from the campus to then pilot that program. So I think you need to do a lot of work prior to, but then yes. I partnered with my AP in that. Yeah. Find, yeah. Find some advocates for yourself, right? So some support. Yeah. My voice alone was not going to be enough. And so I need to find someone to partner with that, that did have that voice and to have that. So like you said, it could be a company, it could be a neighboring district. It could be, shoot, it could be someone across the country. Mm-hmm. If they're an expert in that, in that field, if you don't feel like you have that, that clout, that voice, then you need to make sure that you are connected with someone else that, that may yeah. be able to share your same passions. So Agreed. great question, Adam. I know a lot of yeah, people good question. run into that, um, yeah. especially earlier in their leadership journey. All right, Jeff, I want to quickly talk about a amazing event coming up for the Teach Better team, which is the virtual kickoff. Yeah. So what's that all about? Uh, so July 14th, it's actually in the evening at 6 o'clock Eastern time. Yeah. We are bringing a whole bunch of people together. Uh, I, I'm, I don't even know how many it is, like 20-something mm-hmm. uh, speakers and uh, awesome educators. And essentially what it, it's a, it's going to be a Zoom, you know, a kickoff event with uh, multiple sessions. So sort of two 45-minute session periods with some t- stuff in the middle. Uh, so, you know, we'll all come together. We'll, we'll talk a little bit, whatever. Then we'll break out in the breakout rooms to have some some more or less, not necessarily like sessions like slides and stuff, more facilitated conversations, right? Yep. And then we'll come together again. We'll go out and do another 45. Then we'll come together. And, and the purpose of this really, this came from from uh, from Dr. Neil Gupta bringing it to, to Ray. And then the, the two of them just ran with it. And it's this idea of like, you know, a lot of times when you go to conferences and you go to things like you, either one, you are nervous about going or you decide not to go because you don't know anyone. Yep. You don't recognize faces. And we're like, well, let's bring everyone together so that when we come, you know, everyone comes to the conference, if you come in, you're going to see faces of people that you actually interacted with on zoom, not just someone that you followed on Twitter necessarily, but like you actually, you know, you actually had a conversations with, you talked to them and, and that's, you know, coupled with that, we also wanted, it was just another opportunity for people to learn from some, from amazing people to make connections. It's really all about networking, walking away, knowing a whole bunch of new people and and having a bunch of new people to help support you. It's a free event. Uh, If you go to 
uh, teachbetterconference.com slash kickoff2020, or you can go to teachbetter.com slash kickoff2020. goes to the same page. Yep. Uh, you can register for free. When you register, you will need to select your two sessions at that time, and that'll be where you're going. It's free, like I said. I don't know when we're closing. I think we're going to let that go to whatever, I th- unless we max out our attendees, but you have to look on Zoom. We've got a pretty high account, so we'll be okay for a while. Yeah. But that's an exciting one, because and you're going to be there. You're doing that. Yeah, what are you talking about? I'm going to be talking about the trauma-informed care and the SDL. Yes, nice. Yeah. Awesome. That'd be a good one. So, so you can come and hang out virtually, uh, you know, casual clothes are, are, uh, recommended drinks are very much recommended, right? It's a casual thing. We want to just be fun. Like come as you are kind of a thing, you know, have some fun and you can sign up and check Josh out and stuff like that. So, uh, teachbetter.com slash kickoff 2020 is a good one there. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, We've got a couple of webinars and stuff going on, series going on out. So we just we're just wrapping up the first. We did our first. Uh, it was a eight part four week series on building the grid. It's all about the grid method with Chad Ostrowski, yep. and we are launching another one right off right after that again, starting on June thirtieth, going until July twenty third. It's Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're expanding this one to be ninety minute sessions, so you get two ninety minute sessions every week, nice. and then Chad does office hours on Wednesdays as well. And what's really cool about this is that you are you are literally going to be put into the experience of working through a grid. So you're going to learn how to run the grid method by being a part of the grid method. So you're going to work through a grid. You're going to work at your own pace. You can not attend any of the sessions if you don't want to and still do it all because you're able to work at your own pace. Everything's universally accessible. You can move as you need to. And all the sessions get recorded and you get lifetime access to all that as well. So that's over at teachbetter.com slash grid webinar. Mm-hmm. And then sort of a secondary part, because people, this is probably one of our, our most like requested things is Ray is running a building, a, creating an introduction grid. So something that a lot of grid method teachers do that's really cool is that first, their first grid they run in the classroom is actually a grid about how to learn in the grid method for their students to learn. And so one of the most, one of the most common things that we get asked is like, well, how do I do that? What does that look like? So we're actually doing a two week, four part series with Ray in July, kicks off on I want to say actually on the 14th, if I'm, I think it's kicks off on the 14th because those two, it, uh, two or that week, I don't know. Sure. I'll figure it out. Ray, Ray can yell at me. That's a teachbetter.com slash intro grid webinar. And that one's up there too. So, so those are two really exciting ones going on. We got a bunch of other webinar series that we're putting together, both free and paid and yep. uh, a variety of different topics. So we're pretty excited about that. And what else do we have? We, oh, we just launched the bookshelf, which is yeah. a fun thing too. So we got teachbetter.com slash bookshelf. It's, it's literally... We're like, what is it? Well, it's just our bookshelf. So it's like, what's on our, our bookshelves? Sure. So it's a combination of books we're reading right now and books that we love in education and books that have shaped us that are not educational stuff. Yeah. Um, so a lot of really good stuff on there and it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow. So it's really cool. I think, I think that's all that's going on, Josh. Yeah. And I want to real quick talk to the listeners about something that me and you put together too on Voxer, which is the Aspire Leadership Group. So yes. if you are a new leader well, or experienced leader and you want to be a part of a community to shoot out questions and be a part of sharing resources, make sure that you go on Voxer and it's just the Aspire Leadership Group. And if you want to be added to that, you can reach out to us through a DM. You can send a message on Voxer. My handle on Voxer is at Joshua double underscore Stamper, just like it is on Twitter and Instagram. And you can definitely find Jeff Gargas on there too. Do you know what your handle is on Voxer? Uh, it's just Jeff Gargas. Yep. Perfect. Just like my Twitter. Awesome. So you can reach out to either one of us and we would love to add you to that group. It's build the community again to, to really just be there to support you. I like that because that gives you an opportunity to ask a question with like your your tone right yep. and the way you phrase things so we can really understand like what you're 
because sometimes just the way you you know you uh, emphasize a word or something like that will really tell us what you're really trying to ask. And I think that's going to allow us to, to one get to know you better, but with the voices and stuff. But also, I think I think we do better at answering the questions and really yeah. getting home. So that's well, I'm excited. Go about deeper, that. deeper in those yeah. conversations. Too. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. If you're interested, cool. definitely reach out to us, and we will add you to the Aspire Leadership Group. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the Aspire Mailbag. Appreciate it, brother.